Verse 1 of John 9 says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And that's a miracle that Jesus either has done me or wants to do me. He wants to see me. Jesus takes the time to see the people that other people do. Right? Those that many would ignore, Jesus sees. And our hidden hero, and you might not know why he's a hidden hero yet, but you'll find out soon. Our hidden hero is not only often overlooked today as we read the Bible, or John chapter 9, we don't normally take time to even notice this man. He doesn't even have a name in the scriptures. He was not only overlooked by us as we read the Bible today, but he was also overlooked by, by, by the people around him. And 2,000 years ago in ancient Palestine, the blind, the beggars, were even more overlooked than they are now. We didn't have social programs to take care of people who were handicapped like we do now. They were all but ignored, and there was this, a predominant view towards people who were sick or handicapped that, that somebody did something wrong. Somebody sinned in some way, as you probably noticed. The disciples asked Jesus, who sinned so that this man was born blind? There was this view that it was it was their own fault, so why help? Right? Jesus did not ignore or overlook this man. He saw him. To Jesus, he was not just a blind man. This man was worth stopping for and taking time. And man, I just want to encourage you. Some of you might feel that way. Some of you might feel like not worthy of of people, and especially not the God of the universe taking the time to stop, to know you, and to learn who you are. But God sees you. Jesus sees you. And like I said, the disciples pass judgment on this man. And that's what we do sometimes. We pass judgment on him. We observe kind of the externals about how they look, or their personality, or their quirkiness, or whatever, or even their mistakes. And we pass judgment and we think, okay, I know this person. This person fits in this category, or this category, or this category. And I've done that, sadly. And I'm sure you've done that as well. About a week and a half ago, we were out in the diag getting ready to do outreach. And um, we had a bunch of cases of water. We were going to play some capture the flag in the diag scene. We were there. And we had some cases of water and some snacks and stuff like that. We were getting set up, getting ready to go. And a gentleman uh, wheeled up in his wheelchair, seemingly homeless. I didn't know that, but that was my that was my initial thought, judgment when I saw him. He wheeled up and he said, "Hey, can you guys spare some change tonight?" And I kind of have a typical response in those moments, and you guys probably do too. Um, typically, I don't give out cash because I don't think that's normally going to be the best way to help a person, right? Um, I might take the time to like give them a snack or a bottle of water or say a prayer for them or maybe offer to buy them a meal sometimes if I'm feeling extra generous. <laughs> I wish I did that more, but I don't. But in this moment, man, I just had this canned response. I was focused on outreach. I was thinking about getting set up. My mind was just elsewhere. I wasn't ready for it. Not to make any excuse. I should have been. But so what I just said to that man was, oh, not for now. Hey, thanks for asking me. And that was it. And he went his way. Um, I totally forgot about it. We went out, we did our outreach, we had a good time. 
And that was the night at two in the morning <laughs> that God woke me up and I thought about that man. And like I said, didn't think about him, didn't think about him again at all from the time that I, from the time he wheeled away until the time that I woke up at two in the morning. And I just felt the Lord saying, um, "Did you stop, take time, and notice?" And I had these like bottles of water. I had these snacks. I could have done something. And God doesn't always lead us to. Um, to interrupt what we're doing, to, to go in and buy a personal meal or whatever, or to take time and pray with them. Um, I think we need to be willing to pull those interruptions like Jesus was for this moment. But God doesn't always need us to do that. If you have a class you're going to, it's okay if you get the class, right? If you have something, another responsibility, it's okay, unless God tells you, hey, you need to stop. And I think the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me to stop and talk to this guy and interact with him just for a few moments. But I didn't stop. And I, I didn't even hear um, So we need to train ourselves to be able to hear the first day of the Spirit, to be able to respond. And sometimes I do, but that time I didn't. And I just felt the Lord reminding me of Matthew 25. Some of you guys know this passage. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, Whatever you do for the least of these. When Jesus says the least of these, I think he's kind of putting it in quotes. The least of these, who you perceive to be the least. Whatever you do for them. Because we know that the least, in our eyes, are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, right? So Jesus doesn't really mean for the least or the less value. But he says, whatever you do for the least of these, you have done for me. And here's the condition part. You ready for this part? Jesus says, conversely, whatever you have not done for the least of these, you have not done for me. And so at two in the morning... <laughs> I felt Jesus reminding me of that. And in his, in his loving patience, like, it's always grace filled, right? He's not like, trying to make me feel like a worm. But he, he wants me to, to know his love and display his love. And I just was reminded of that passage and I started repenting to Jesus. You were hungry, and I didn't feed you. You were thirsty, and I didn't give you something to drink. Sorry, Jesus. You were hungry, and I could have helped, but you didn't. Right? I felt that condition, and then, and then God reminded me of this one here, and how Jesus doesn't do that to us, and He doesn't do that to the hurting in this world. He stops, and He takes the time to see, and to notice, and to transform us. Man, so I just want to ask: Have you ever failed to see somebody? I know you have. All of us have. We've ignored people. We have. We've misjudged them. We've prejudged them. And I just wonder what miracles might Jesus do if we stop and see him. What hidden heroes like this man who was born blind might emerge as Jesus heals and transforms the world through us. But not only do we stop, like I said before, not only do we fail to see others, but we fail to be seen by others as well. And some of us in this room have been victims of that kind of judgment, or prejudgment. Of somebody looking at them and saying, like, looking at you and saying, well, this is his own fault. Or this is her own fault. Why doesn't he act differently? Or look differently? Or behave differently? Maybe you don't have the educational or financial opportunities that some others have had, and because of that, you've been judged. But Jesus sees you, and he knows you. Maybe you didn't have the medical care that some others had, and that's brought you some disadvantages that you are now working to overcome. 
Jesus sees all that, and he knows all that. He knows you. And in spite of that, he knows who you would be if you had had the same hands as someone else did. Um, now, there's a tendency in these moments when we're talking about this kind of thing to, to start to think like, well, and I had no responsibility. I had no responsibility to be what Jesus called me to be. But that's not true either, right? Because Jesus doesn't make excuses for the sinful ways that we've responded to our disadvantages. Because all of us have responded to the bad things done to us or the good things that weren't done to us. All of us have responded wrongly at times. I, I, that's like a big part of my life, unfortunately. Responding wrongly to the wrong that I'm doing. And I need to repent of that. And Jesus calls me higher. Maybe you've been abused or neglected, or, or maybe you've experienced tragedy of some kind that's affected your life in a significant way. People don't see the cause, they don't see the tragedy or the trauma, but they judge the lasting mark of that trauma on your life. And it's good to know that Jesus sees those things too. And that not only does he see them, but he was there when those things were happening. Or when the good things that you should have had weren't happening, Jesus was there. He saw those things. He was present in those things. And he knows the impact of those things even better than you do. And we all have a choice on how to respond to that. But Jesus sees you and his heart is full of compassion for you like he was for the prophet. I love in verse 3 how Jesus corrects the disciples again patiently, lovingly. He corrects them and he and he told them when they when they just assumed, they were like, Who sinned? They weren't they didn't even ask, did somebody sin? They just assumed somebody sinned. Somebody called this. Who sinned so that this man's born blind? And Jesus lovingly says, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And that's powerful. That's that's like theology of suffering. Nobody, this was nobody's fault. But this happened. Jesus didn't cause the blindness. Right? We don't believe that Jesus causes suffering and that he's like some sadistic being that, that likes to see people suffer. No. It breaks the heart of Jesus that people are suffering. It breaks the heart of the Father that this young man was born blind and that he was being cast aside and ignored by society. It breaks his heart. He didn't cause it, but he would use it for his glory. And Jesus has higher purposes in that than, than our temporary suffering. And if he can communicate some eternal truths to us and to those around us through our suffering, then that's worth it for him to allow it for a time. And he will use it for your good and for his glory. He will use it to display his power. The senseless things that you've gone through will continue to make no sense unless and until you place them in God's loving sovereignty. Sometimes senseless things happen, right? But they don't have to remain senseless. God can take those things and redeem them, transform them, and use them for your good and for his glory. Like Romans 28 promises, like, like Romans 8 28 promises. It drives me crazy sometimes how people take this verse, Romans 8 28, and misapply it. It drives me absolutely insane. Like a TV show that Julian and I watch sometimes. <laughs> Misapplied this verse. Because they quote the first half of this verse, if you know it, 
you'll, you probably know what I'm talking about already. The first half of this verse says that God makes all things work together for good. That's the first half. And so people take that verse and they say like, hey, some people who know the scriptures but not, aren't necessarily living, living by them, they still like apply this promise to them. All things work together for good. You lost your job, don't worry about it. All things work together for good. And, and they only quote that part of the verse. But the second part of the verse really gives it its meaning and puts it in, in its proper context. The second part of the verse says, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So does God work all things together for good for everybody? No. Some people, if they're not placing their suffering or their pain or their trauma in the hands of Jesus, it will remain senseless and it will achieve no good for them or for but the promise that Jesus gives us is so incredibly, ridiculously powerful that if you love God, if you are called according to his purpose, and you place your experiences in his loving hands, then he will work it out for good, for your good and for his glory. That is a promise, and that man, gives us peace like nothing else. If you understand that, and you really live by that, and the things that you've gone through in the past and the things you go through in the future take on an entirely different life. And, and it no longer feels, it no longer hits us as deeply as it did before. We just realize we have this understanding. Okay. And God saw it. God allowed it. He said, you must work some good for it. And in the end, I'll be better off having gone through this than if I didn't go through That's the kind of promise the world doesn't have. They can't apply can't apply it if you haven't yet. But if you don't, then you don't have that promise. Right? So don't make, don't make that mistake. Man, don't let those senseless, senseless things remain senseless. Alright? God doesn't waste the pain of his people. I've heard that said before. I don't know if you guys have heard that quote, but I like that. You can write that down. You can tweet that. You can TikTok that. Wait, is that a thing? Can you TikTok the quote? I've never been on TikTok in my life. God doesn't waste the pain of his people. And Jesus didn't waste this blind man's suffering either. I love it in verse 5 how Jesus says to his disciples, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world, which is a theme throughout the book of John. So it's super cool. Look for that theme as you read John next time. I am the light of the world, he says. And then what does he do after he says it? He displays it. He heals this man's eyes. He gives him light. He gives him sight. His method of giving him sight is really strange. Sometimes God does strange stuff, things that we don't understand. Right? Jesus, and it's kind of gross, too. God does gross stuff. Sometimes, I guess. Because he spits in the dirt and makes mud, and then he puts it on the dude's eyes. I wonder what he was thinking when he heard him spit, and then he feels mud on his eyes. <laughs> did he do what I think he just did? He spits in the mud, or he spits in the dirt, makes mud, and rubs it on his eyes. Um, we don't know why Jesus did that. Some scholars have speculated that Jesus was demonstrating his role in creation. Did you guys know that Jesus was there during creation? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he spoke. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the word of God made flesh. When 
God spoke, Jesus was present. The Word of God was present. So Jesus had a role in creation, and it tells us that in John chapter 1, it, it echoes the words of Genesis, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then later on, the Word became flesh and dwelt in us. Jesus was there during creation. I wonder if he was using the same stuff, the same dirt, that he used to create Adam and Eve, and he was reusing it again to create this man, Adam and Sarah. Isn't that cool? He's demonstrating his creative power. All of Jesus' miracles demonstrate his character in some way. And as you read through the Gospels and you see the miracles of Jesus, think about what does this reveal about Jesus' character, right? Jesus is the creator. He, create, he can create people's eyes, brand new eyes, right? Jesus is the master over creation. He can calm the storm. He's the victor over death, and so he can raise the dead, right? All of his miracles demonstrate something about his character. And this is where we start to see that the power of being seen by Jesus. Because Jesus not only sees you, but he wants to heal you. He not only sees the pain and the, and the trauma and all that garbage, but he wants to transform it. Like I said before, he wants to use it for your good. Because as valuable as it is to see people for who they really are, even that is not the end in itself. Jesus didn't just see the blind man and then leave him the way he was. It's powerful to be seen and to feel seen and accepted for who you are, right? That's why, that's why gangs are like, you know, a thing. Because gangs can just say like, hey, it doesn't matter who you are, come on, like, join us, you're one of us now, right? I think that's why the LGBTQ community can feel so welcoming to people many times because they say, hey, this is how you feel, this is what you struggle with, well, come on, you can be a part of us, and, and we see you for, you for who you really are, and we, we accept you for that. It feels powerful to be seen, but where those groups fall short is that God's design isn't to only see and to understand and to know you for who you really are. God's design is to see you and love you and accept you and then transform you. Right? He doesn't leave you. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. There's that, that song by Hillsong United, like, um, what's the song called? Uh, as You Find Me. Yeah, you love me as you find me. And then there's this part in the song that kind of like puts that in its proper context as well. And it says, your love's too good to leave me. You love me as you find me, but your love's too good to leave me there. Why? Because God has a plan for your life that is abundant. He has a design for you that, that wants to welcome you into the fullest life that you could possibly experience, not only on this earth, but for all eternity. And he doesn't want to allow anything to remain in your life that will limit that fullness, that will limit that abundance in your life. He wants to take that and transform it. Yes, he loves you. He sees you. He knows you. And he wants to transform you. Right? And that's a good time for an amen. Amen. Slave. That's so slave. Am I using that right? No? I got, I got more of a response on that than anything else in the whole sermon. I mean, really, I know you can use it to mean cool, but other than that, I just can't. At least I didn't say busting this time, guys. 
Busting, busting, no cap. That's what my kids say. <laughs> but I won't say that in this sermon. No. God wants to transform you into, into who he is destined to be, right? But it takes humility to admit those parts of our lives that need transformation. There's this uh, video series that, that our CMITs go through by a guy named John Bevere called Undercover. And Caleb loves it. Where is Caleb? <laughs> but he says, uh, he said that people say that God will accept you for whoever you are. He's like, that's not true. God will accept you if you repent. That's pretty harsh, but, but it's pretty true too. That God loves you. But he's not just going to accept everything about you. He will if you repent. If you humbly approach him with the things that are wrong, he said, Jesus, please transform us. That's when being seen by Jesus goes beyond just feeling understood and goes to like being eternally transformed. Amen. All right, let's keep let's keep rolling here. The video left off uh, in verse 7, so we're going to start in verse 8 and keep reading and we'll talk a little bit more. Sound good? If that sounds good, say slay. <laughs> Is that the right? I'm still confused on this. I have Josiah. Josiah is my consultant when I try to say these things. Like, was that right? And people always roll their eyes like they don't. I wonder if people think that I'm really trying to fool when I say those things. Because I am. <laughs> okay. So, you think I'm so slay? <laughs> Okay. This part in the recording is not going to make any sense. All right, let's, let's read from verse 8 and then we can drink the water. Okay, in verse 8 of John chapter 9, it says, The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Isn't it great that when Jesus transforms a person, sometimes you don't even recognize him? Isn't that awesome? You feel like, was this the guy? No, it can't possibly be that guy. He's too different to be that guy, right? Have you ever known anybody like that? Some of you are probably like that, right? When Pastor Nino was preaching a sermon last week talking about his past and, and facing a, a, a Possible jail time and all these things. Some of you are probably like, what? Pastor Dino? He did that? Like, he's like unrecognizable from that man that he used to be, right? I had a, a friend that I used to work with at Life Challenge. He's a Christian uh, drug and alcohol center in Detroit. His name was Bob. And, man, uh, Bob was just like the most straight-laced dude you've ever met. I don't think I ever saw him with an untucked shirt. He was like, when, when I met him, he was in his 50s. And just like soft-spoken, gentle man, godly man, uh, he's the kind of person that um, I know that he must have sinned at some point in his life, but it was maybe like one time. That's what you think when you meet that person, right? Because you know everybody's sinned, but for him it was probably just once. Um, but then when he would tell his testimony, he would say things like, I don't remember how, how many years ago it was, but it was something like, 24 years ago I was addicted to drugs, I was on heroin, I was toothless and homeless, and I was sleeping under a park bench. And they're like, this man must be delusional. Yes, he's a nice guy, 
Like he is out of touch with reality, with reality because that was never his life. Maybe he's like, you know, thinks that he's living another life or whatever. But he was like so transformed that I couldn't even picture him being that way, looking that way, or acting that way, right? When Jesus transforms somebody, he does it right. He does it fully and completely. He doesn't do it all instantly, but he does it fully and completely. And he will do that with us, guys, if we let him. All right, let's get back. Verse 10. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes open? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my son. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. And this is when the hidden hero begins to emerge in this guy's life. Because he's doing something really simple that all of us can do. Once Jesus sees us and transforms us, then we tell you. That transforms somebody who's only been seen and transformed into a seer. And now the seen can become the seers. If we'll take this extra step. And some of you guys might be at that place right now where some of you maybe feel like you haven't even been seen by Jesus yet. Like you haven't allowed God to know you. Or you haven't allowed others to truly know you. Some of you have been seen by God and have started to experience that transformation, but then you haven't taken the step to heroism yet, where you start to testify of that transformation. Um, how long does it take to begin testifying of the transformation Jesus did in your life? How long do you need to wait? This guy waited like 10 minutes. <laughs> you don't need to wait at all. Like, as soon as you've been transformed, you have everything you need to begin testifying of that transformation. You have everything you need to start becoming the hero that Jesus has done for you, right? And that's what this man begins to do when he starts to talk about what Jesus did for him. So verse 13, they brought to, to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him, asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. So he continues to testify even when the stakes are high. Verse 16, Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can this man, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Verse 18, The Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and had received his sight. And they had called the parents of the man who had received his sight, and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. But the Jews had already, had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the sea. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Okay, so this, maybe this is the place where you see yourself in the story. Where you know the truth, like, like the parents of the man born blind, you know the truth, you know what really happened, but because of the pressure, 
because of the, the potential judgment or the consequences, you deny the truth in certain situations. Maybe in other situations, here we are on Sunday morning, or maybe you're in court group, and you'll testify of the truth there. But when the stakes are high, and, and the judgment is real, and the consequences, the potential consequences are real, then the fear is just too much to handle, like the parents of the blind man and in that time. Listen, Jesus isn't here to, to condemn you, but he's here to lovingly correct you, like he did to me at 2 in the morning a week and a half ago. He wants to see you become the hero that, that he's made you to be. That hidden hero that's inside you right now, Jesus inside you, wants to, he wants to emerge that from you and to display that to the world and that's what you're And then verse 24. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. Which is an old way of saying, this is really important, so tell the truth. Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know. Though I was blind, now I see. That's beautiful. Listen, like, this guy is like, I don't know all the theology. You know, I don't have all of the all the doctrines laid out and all the correct ways to describe the character of God, but I but what I do know is I was blind. And now I see. And that that's the testament of who Jesus is. And that's your most powerful testimony too. You don't have to be an expert in theology or, or apologetics or Christian arguments or whatever to be effective as a witness for Jesus. To start to step out of that hero that Jesus wants you to be. You don't have to have all that figured out. All you have to do is to say what Jesus did for you. Verse 26. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you will not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Don't you love the sarcasm? This guy's like growing in boldness. Like, <laughs> he just started seeing like hours ago or whatever, and, and now he's like rebuking the Pharisees. I love it. It's beautiful. And he's being sarcastic with me too, which I never do. That was sarcastic. Did you catch it? Ooh, you guys are slow. In a good way. Okay. Where am I? I lost my place. Okay, verse 28. And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. This guy and I will be friends. We will be friends. In heaven, we're going to hang out and just be sarcastic. This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if everyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. 
Sometimes people who reject God just lose arguments. They just run out of things to argue about. It's like, yes! That's their argument. Jesus heard they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And here's the transformation continues, right? So Jesus not only heals him, but then he follows up with him later. He's like, Alright, let's, let's talk a little bit more. Let's explain things a little more fully. Right? Let's give you some more un- some more understanding so that your understanding you can go beyond your personal experience. So you can begin to experience, you know, the, the vastness of who I am, right? Okay, so he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. It is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And we serve a God of reversals. All throughout Scripture, we see this consistent theme running through Scripture that our God is a God of reversals. He turns the worldly understanding that we have, the kingdoms of this world, He takes them and He turns them upside down. He turns them on the head. He reverses our expectations and shows us how he really wants to do things. The powerful ways that his kingdom works instead of the ways that we think our kingdom should work. And that's what Jesus did with these Pharisees. And the, isn't it so cool? The man born blind is the one who sees not only physically, but supernaturally and spiritually. And he's the one now revealing truth to these Pharisees who are expert in religion. Right? Experts in religion. And the blind man is telling them the truth, helping them receive their sight. But they're refusing to listen. And because they're refusing to listen, because they think they see, Jesus says, because you're not admitting your blindness, you will remain blind. Or you think you see, so you're blind. He's not saying that if you were blind, if you admitted that you couldn't see, that you would have no guilt ever. He's saying in this situation, right, you would have no guilt in this situation if you just understood that you were blind. But because you think you see things the way you think you see everything, you think you know it all, you see everything so clearly, and you're guilty of this. You will remain blind. Unless you surrender that to me and exhibit that humility. Right? Isn't that powerful? God just loves to turn things around. And those of you in this room that feel like, man, I don't know if I can do what Jesus is asking me to do. Maybe you feel like an unlikely hero, like somebody who's I don't know, doesn't have the traits in your mind, or maybe other people even told you that you don't have what it takes. God loves to turn things around. He loves to use unlikely heroes. He can use you too, right? He can use anybody. Anybody who's been transformed, anybody that he has given sight to can now become seen. If you've been seen, you can become seen. Let's stand up together and we're going to close. Guys, uh, listen, band, you come on forward. This is the H2O band. Woo! Part of it. They're doing it without a drummer today. And they're doing a great job. It's been amazing. You guys go ahead and start play some something. Give us a little atmosphere.
pulls on the heartstrings when people want to do what I say more. <laughs> Just kidding. See, that's sarcasm again. <laughs> I need to edit that out of the recording. <laughs> that could be very deceptive. <laughs> All right, so listen, I want you to um, think about, again, where, where you see yourself in this story. Okay, because one of the things I love about these narrative parts of the Bible is that God can use this story in many different parts of the story to, to minister to many different parts of us, to many different kinds of people, right? Because I think all of us can probably see ourselves in the story at some point, at some layer of the story, right? Like I said before, maybe you feel like you're the blind man, and you haven't really allowed yourself to be seen by God yet. You haven't made yourself available to Him to be transformed by Him. Man, like, Today's a great chance. The Bible says that that now is the time of salvation. Today is the day. Like, don't wait. There's no reason to wait to place yourself in the hands of the Father who loves you. If you've never repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus to receive that that sight, that transformation, then man, like you can do it now, right? You can do it today. Some of you also might, might feel like a blind man because, like I said before, you've been overlooked or you haven't allowed others to truly see who you are. Maybe you've tried to hide like the parts of you that you feel like um, are too dark to let other people know. And that was me for a long time. For years, I, I would pretend that I had it all together. People told me, like, well, you have such great potential and all this garbage. And, <laughs> and I, really, I really believed it, and I thought I was amazing. But I didn't let people know that I was insecure, that I was prideful, that I was full of lust, stuck struggling with pornography addiction, that I was struggling with feelings of worthlessness and depression at times. I didn't let people know that stuff. I didn't let people really see me. Man, if you want to serve Jesus faithfully on this campus or anywhere you go in the world, it is going to be super difficult if you don't have a family of people around you that know the real you and, and you know the real them. And you love each other and you see each other and you know each other and you love each other too much to leave you where you're at like Jesus does, right? Man, that, if you find that group, if you immerse yourself, not just find it and attend it, but immerse yourself in a group of people like that. And God can do amazing things in you, even when you're on this campus in an environment that's not always easy to serve Jesus. He can take you and mature you far beyond where you're at now. If you'll, if you'll do that. And we have great places for that in H12. They're called core groups. And you heard uh, us talk about core groups earlier. Can you, get, can you put that slide back up for us, Lauren, the core group slide? There's something on there that I want you guys to have the opportunity to do. If you didn't do, Scan that QR code, and we can get you connected to a court group. There's another environment for that that we're starting at the end of this month called Conquer Series. And it's a place where people like myself who have received victory in the area of sexual purity can now help other people receive victory in sexual purity. So Conquer Series is starting at the end of this month. And man, we, 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 we talk about the real us. And we hear the real parts of each other. And we draw each other out of those destructive patterns. 
maybe you see that you're like the man born blind, and after receiving your sight, you haven't really begun to testify of that yet. Um, you can make a decision today to ask Jesus to help you begin to testify of the miracle of the power of the blind, right? Maybe you feel like the parents of the blind people, you're afraid to do that out of fear of the consequences. Jesus can give you boldness. Amen? Or maybe, last thing, Maybe you're like the disciples or the Pharisees or the people around who just ignored this man, passed judgment on him, thought they knew him, they put him in a category, right? And they just passed by and they just kind of lived their life. It's better to just live our lives without the discomfort of, of entering into other people's suffering. Maybe Jesus is speaking to you in that way like he did to me in the middle of the night or a week and a half ago. Um, so there's plenty of ways to respond. I encourage you guys just to respond the way that we still need you to respond. Okay? These guys are going to close to the song. And uh, we'll be done. Sound good? You say a prayer for us. Father, you are... You are such an attentive God. And it's always been wonderful. Especially in these days, in the society we live in, it is especially powerful that you pay attention now you take the time to know us, to transform us, and to give us a mission. It's in cooperation with your mission, Father, on this earth. I pray that every person in this room would receive whatever it is that you want to give them today. I pray for open hearts. I just pray for open hearts right now in Jesus' name. I pray for every barrier between any person in this room and Jesus to crumble right now under the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus, may your blood cover us, saturate us, transform us, give us a new identity and a new destiny, Father, right now in Jesus' name. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon every person in this room, that your Spirit would anoint us to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. In Jesus' name, receive your spirit, receive your power. Amen.